Hello and welcome to Tip Radio. I'm Monster B, and sitting at the round table with me tonight is Peter64. Good eye. Jay Lindsay. Hello. Claw2. Hello, everyone. 330. Hello. Zoke. Hello. And Azmuth. Good evening. How's everybody doing tonight? Pretty good. This is a very nice round table that you have. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. what wood is construction. it? Yeah. Oh, and this is episode six. Did I say that? No, you didn't. Okay. It's episode six. You throw the table out each time because this table is holding up really nicely. <laughs> Try not to lean back in that chair at 330. <laughs> uh, that, that one leg is broken. All right. Um, let's check our feedback. And we did get some feedback. Oh, we did? Yeah. Wait, who are your thieves? Oh, I remember that. That's, yeah. Oh, you're talking about the one that was actually posted in HPR, that comment. Yeah. That's a good one. That is, that is actually. <laughs> yeah, everyone go to uh, episode five and just follow the instructions. At the top. Yeah. Both of you. Both listeners. Yes, both of you guys do that. Yeah. Well, there's some more. Actually, one of them already did, yeah. Me. <laughs> That's a funny one. Yeah, you have to see it. Can't really explain this one. So what else did we get, Peter? Um, yeah, we got quite a few. I can't remember. Bazza sent us one, Bazza Will. I can't remember if we talked about the the open videos on Daily Motion and that. Was that on Linux Pranks or Pit? That's the matter anyway. I just remember one show we were trying to find all the open videos on Daily Motion and then Bazza emailed us and told us what a bunch of drongos we were and if you go to openvideo.dailymotion.com is where you're going to find them all and even and the YouTube also, test site yeah that's right he also yeah. sent us what have you got that there Clark, too? Uh, that was youtube.com slash html5 I believe yeah and I believe that so, didn't work for me or something I mean I it worked the, uh, but, but I couldn't watch any of the videos if I, if I recall correctly I could be wrong um, well, definitely the Daily Motion one worked. I've been there. Yeah, the Daily um, Motion one worked. That was pretty neat. Yeah. Um, so anyway, there you go. I can't remember what episode that was, but that's if you're looking for the open videos using uh, Fiora and Og Forbus or whatever it all is, then go there. Now, okay, we actually had a couple from BSD users, which is really good. Uh, now, I'm going to read these. The first one's not so long and the last one is really long but anyway we'll read the first one and then we might have a discussion then we'll we'll talk about the next one okay first off uh first of all i've attached a picture of the 2004 open bsd hackathon in this picture you'll find that pretty much all the developers going to this event have laptops uh using open bsd on a laptop myself i can attest to the fact that bsd culture is not desktop computer centric as mentioned in this episode. The reason why I myself run OpenBSD most of the time is simply because of the speed of the installation and configuration. I also very much like the ports tree because you don't need to reconstruct the build system for almost anything on there. This makes it possible to just start hacking at the source of almost any program on your, com uh, on your computer with very little effort, and that's fun. More generally, however, I find that most Unixes are so similar uh, in nature and run mostly all the same programs that it doesn't really matter what you run. Like, for instance, I've always tell people I run Linux when I actually run BSD. The reason for this is most people know what I'm talking about when I say Linux, and the difference between the two is so negligible that most of the time they don't need to know exactly what I run. 
take care and keep up the good show, mates. And that was from oh. Pants Butt. <laughs> Sig Flop. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know this guy. No, it's a girl. Um, it's a lady. Oh. I know flop. this lady. Sorry. <laughs> oh, it, well, it, it actually says from Pants Butt at the top of it. Yeah, I know. down the bottom. It's signed Sig Flop. But, <laughs> yeah, this person, this person does uh, Sega Genesis emulation work. It's really cool stuff. I, I'm I'm going to interview him or her. It's a her. Uh, she just did a uh, HPR episode uh, Thursday oh, or Friday. Yeah. That's about the same demos? Person. Demo or bust, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, well, just a couple of things out of that. One was, yeah, that picture. One thing I did learn is bloody BSD blokes are bloody messy. Because there's wires going everywhere. But definitely, yeah, I, I think I mentioned in that episode that not hanging around in that BSD community, I, I wasn't sure whether people ran it on laptops. But I did check out the forums, and it's pretty obvious, yeah, it does. Heaps of people run on laptops. So. I mean, so much of computing these days just seems to be laptop, you know? I mean, so many people have a laptop. I, I, I would have been surprised to hear that BSD people didn't use laptops. <laughs> that just would yeah, not seem right. right. yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I, like I said, I didn't know really anything about it. Um, anyway. Okay, now the next one, <laughs> this is pretty long. Um, so we'll Just read we'll, every other word. Nah. We'll get the nah, idea. Nah, I, I, I think it's worth listening to it all. Righto. Great. Hi, guys. So, Super Cow Power, then let me say Moo. I really enjoyed your segment on Best and wanted to mention a few thoughts. Colonel Holy Wars. People can get emotional about this sort of stuff, but a Google searching for BSD Linux comparisons usually gets you the latest statements, statements that one or the other are so many years behind the other, are not worthy of serious attention. The last I heard, currently uh, the BSDs are ahead in areas of SMP and resolving multiple domain, uh, domains to one IP in web serving. I also listened to this cast and they said, I think in their latest, that the only serious distribution for dedicated web servers are Debian, RHEL, CentOS, FreeBSD, uh, FreeBSD and OpenBSD. I can kind of see why. Uh, web servers like a sitting duck on the web. I kind of take it that these guys are authorities. Otherwise, licensing is always an issue. BSD has uh, seen a recently new surge as many microcontrol-based devices went multi-core, and since they favour the BSD licence, there has been a surge in embedded device getting kernel upgrades. Of course, the last two items are not really appropriate to the discussion of desktop use. For a switch, the user needs a killer feature to lure him away from whatever he's doing now. For instance, I begin getting the bad case of file system MB over BSD ZSF, which features snapshotting. I wanted that feature, but fortunately I found a Linux alternative in nil FS2, so I did not have to uh, move. The only other reason I keep an interest in BSD is that I think like this. I use Linux, a Unix workalike. Why aren't I using Unix then? So I always look at the other guys' lawn on this one, and hey, you know what? The grass isn't always greener over there. Someone talked about compatibility layers and said you did not know what, uh, how they work. Now, it's basically a translation of table and memory mapping Linux systems calls to the corresponding Unix system calls. That's gobbledygook to me. Yeah, well, I tell you, it's gobbledygook bloody gook to me too. 
but I have a little experience running a 32-bit application on AMD uh, 64 Debian, which is a 30-bit compatibility layer. In this case, the program wanted was Composer, a non-KDE website authoring program, and it was only available as a source in a 32-bit uh, deb file. I couldn't compile it, so I set it up in a 32-bit partition, then I copied the binary into the user bin on my 64-bit and kicked it over, and it worked fine. Actually, that and an accelerated kernel module for uh, Fabris Belliards, and that's the guy who gave us FFmpeg, uh, Quemu virtual machine software convinced me that for me running my 64-bit system as a 32-bit uh, system was the right thing and that again is for me. Lastly, the next release of Debian Squares will feature a kernel choice between Linux and free BSD kernels. That's, uh, that's going to be historic, a distro that lets you choose. Thanks for reading. I love your show. Keep it up. I know. Um, I know. I write long-winded, so it's cool if you need to chop things up a bit. Uh, if you go over this in your show, and that was from Deep Geek. I knew it. Yeah, you were right. Um, and just as a matter of interest, Deep Geek does the um, Talk Geek to Me podcast. Phenomenal podcast. Yeah, I actually listened to the one on uh, uh, nuclear power stations this morning. Was at yeah. the golf course, so yeah. Thanks for that. A couple of interesting things I thought out of that is the one that um, what Debian's going to give you a choice between the BSD kernel and the Linux kernel. Yeah, I think it's already is it already in? I guess because I'm running Squeeze slash SID because I remember seeing something about that somewhere when I was doing some kind of upgrade. It was like some kind of in curses menu, I think, and it was asking me between uh, about that. I don't. I I kind of glossed over it, but I, I think I saw something about that. Yeah. Or I could have imagined it just as easily. I don't know, Joe Lindsay. You'd know more about that sort of stuff. Well, maybe you don't. He's asleep, or he's angry at you. Yeah, he might be. <laughs> or he's dropped off again, as usual. Anyway, yeah. So thanks for that one. And the, the file yeah. thing sounds pretty cool too. I, I wish. I, I don't know how he got support. For that file system in his in his current distro, that's what I'm interested in finding out. Is that that NILFS two? NILFS two, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd never heard of that. I I didn't see that in when I was installing Debian. I didn't see that as you know a choice or anything. So I don't know where he's he's, he's getting that, but it's, it sounds pretty pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. It's not only Linux listeners we have. Well, maybe this is the two listeners the other bloke was talking about. He meant yeah, two the, BSD listeners. Two BSD listeners. Yeah. Or maybe he just doesn't know what he's talking about. Probably that, too. Yeah. Well, after all, he does follow most of us on Twitter, so that sort of says how intelligent the bloke is. I <laughs> to follow me on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, but anyway. Is it just my new cloud too, or what? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm still here, but oh, okay. oh, I've like used BSD, so I didn't really want to comment on any of this stuff. Yeah, well, I'd like to at least vaguely know what I'm talking about. You know, um, not, not that this is, has anything to do with BSD per se, but I did buy the uh, BSD magazine that I think Monster B and I were talking about the other the other week, and you know, I was I was looking at the free BSD install article. And the, the the person who wrote the article 
you know, obviously, when you're when you're doing these kinds of articles, you install it in a virtual machine, right, so that you can take screenshots and stuff of the installation. But the, the, the virtual machine, you know, he took screenshots and he included, like, the window border on the virtual machine, and it was very obviously an OS tin box that he was installing the thing on. And, I mean, it just kind of got to me because, and again, this isn't, this isn't her, I guess, but, you know, I mean, you can't even use your own... OS and I know OS Tune is based on free BSD, blah blah blah, but that's not the same. But you know, I mean, he couldn't even use free BSD really to write an article about free BSD. It was just it annoyed me greatly. Well, yeah, I, I must admit, that I think the last episode I said I didn't think I'd bother um, installing BSD, but I've actually decided the last couple of weeks that I'm going to give it a go. You know, I keep wanting to try it, and I just, I for whatever reason, the computer well, let's might do try it. it I've tried. I, I really have. I've tried with free and PC BSD. The only one I've had any luck with ever is Dragonfly BSD, which yeah. maybe that's what I should install on my uh, on the external card slot of my Triple E. Actually, that that might be what I do. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'll put it on the laptop, but I'll put it on one of those spare desktops I got laying around just to have a look at it. Yeah, Dragonfly is really fun, and and I guess Monster V said that free BSD was pretty nice. So. Yeah, I think it's worth trying out. The licensing thing is, is my, my biggest issue, I guess. Yeah, I still when, have that same as well. Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead, Peter. Oh, no, no, I just, you go. I was just going to ask part two what about, why, what he didn't like about the licensing. Or well, you know, it can be summed up with this. I don't think that many people realize just how important GPL is and how if the GPL didn't exist, we wouldn't have... Really, I don't believe we would have Linux as it is today at all. Because if, if it was left into the hands of the corporations and stuff, they wouldn't be contributing back code. They wouldn't give it back to us. And so if we, all, if we just had the BSD license out there, we just wouldn't be using, you know, Unix like we do today. And that's just that. Yeah, that's sort of like um, uh, Dave Geek sort of mentioned in his thing that is why it's being used now on a lot of these um, devices now because... They like the licensing agreement where they they can use the BSD kernel and then don't have to give anything back to the community. I take it. Is that yeah, exactly. more or less what um, uh, Apple did, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. That is that's exactly why they what took they did. it. Yeah, yeah, and they don't they don't want to use GPL code because they know that means they have to give back to it, and they don't want to have to do that. And I don't know if that's a purely logistical thing. Maybe they just don't want to have to deal with the community, you know, contributing code and stuff. I don't know. Or maybe they don't want their social responsibility of, of giving code back, or or maybe it's just pure and all-out greed. They just don't want to share the code. I, I really don't know, but I but do then, know firsthand uh, from reliable sources that they do not like the GPL, and you know, and that's just how companies are. That's how businesses are. So if, if Linux was had had to be done by BSD, there it would be out there, but we wouldn't have the code, and and we wouldn't have the the base of of developers improving it every day like we do. And so that's the one that I want to support. You know, that's that's the one that gave me Linux, basically. So that's the one I want to stay with, that that license. That's fair enough. What were you going to say, 330? Uh, he actually said everything I would have said, so I'm just going to second that and go on. Wow, I spoke on licensing <laughs> such that 330 didn't have anything to add. I am really getting better at this. And don't worry, big boy, the check's in the mail. <laughs> well, here's what surprises me. Now, like with TiVo, why didn't they go with BSD instead of Linux? 
then they could have just closed their system. Yeah, yeah. You know, That's a good question. Yeah. Is, is it because Linux is easier to work with? There's more developers. It's more flexible. I mean, there, there has to be a reason. I think there's better drivers and hardware support. That's probably what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because the TiVo is just a like a P3 box, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure what the specs are, but they are pretty low. Yeah, I've never really had one, so. So you don't really need that much. It's, you know, it's a custom-built kernel running, you know, just the drivers it needs and everything. I mean, it it held the original Xbox was a Pentium three, and it was pretty cool. Wow, it's a Pentium three, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, that was a long time ago, though. The original Xbox. Yeah. Oh, okay. NASA still uses Pentium one computers, even I'm on the surprised. International Space Station. I'm not surprised at all. Well, it's because yeah, they, it depends what they do with them. I know exactly. Well, I mean, no, yeah, it's no, mission no. critical stuff. They they know the Pentium One architecture inside and out. Yeah, I mean they know every single call. I mean, and most of this stuff's written in assembly language. Yeah, but see, that's that's the practical way of doing computing, <laughs> and that's what Linux kind of. I mean, not not that NASA is listening to Linux, but I mean the users of Linux do the same thing. We use computers until they absolutely get. I mean, they 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 have to like melt before one of us will stop using a computer. But you know, it's the consumer market that keeps saying, no, you you got to get this new chip, you got to get this, this you know, new new motherboard and stuff like that. I mean, big deal. Most most real computer users know that old computers are really quite useful still. Yep. I just rebuilt my uh, laptop that's a Celeron M 1.5 gigahertz and 768 megs of RAM. Yeah, exactly. And it was all because... It was actually my mom had a laptop exactly like mine, and the uh, half the chip melted. <laughs> wow! She sat it on blankets all the time. Oh yeah! It just all the thermal paste melted off, like just boiled off, and just burnt the shit out of the chip. So when for me, then <laughs> I still use her old laptop as a uh, battery charging station. <laughs> nice. All right, should we get into the topics? We sure should. I'm gonna I'm gonna kick it off with mine first because it's really short. Uh, how many of you guys are on Twitter? Uh, as of a day or two ago, nice. very little people, very <laughs> few number. <laughs> but yes, I'm, I am. No, well, I'm not. Yeah, I am. Never will be. <laughs> well, I found a, a neat little program. It's uh, it's called TIRCD. It's a it's a little mini IRC daemon that you install on your computer, your workstation, or server, whatever. You fire it up, and then you can connect to it with any IRC client, and you, you can Twitter right from IRC. I thought oh, that was, wow! I thought that was pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah, it's it's like I follow like I don't know 300 people, and I have 300 followers, and it shows up just like a normal IRC channel. Just list all the people that's in the room, and you wow. just chat to them just like normal, and you don't have that 140 character limit. So if you go over, say you type 200 words or 200 characters, and when you send it or hit enter, it automatically splits it up for you when it hits Twitter. So it's just multiple messages. Did you figure out how to post to a single person doing that? Because I know you were trying it out on me, and you ended up just doing a standard Twitter, not an at Zoke. No, I haven't. It, it actually, I used it for like an hour after I talked to you. And I haven't fired it back up because I'm really not into Twitter. But I just thought it was neat to uh, be able to connect to it like that. Oh, no, I think it's definitely cool. There's a few little works that may need to be worked on. 
you know, the first one make it run under, on uh, for Identica. Yeah, that would be cool. That was my next question. So it doesn't post to Identica? No, this one here is just for Twitter. The T stands for Twitter. It's T. I thought, I thought like, um, weren't there things that would, like, send your, t- your, your tweet out to both, like, Identica and Twitter? Yeah, or there's that a lot just... of services like that. Oh, okay, but those are two separate protocols, nevertheless. Yeah, they're similar, but but different. Okay. And so did the, the Twitter did the Twitter server like get DDoSed or something? Is that what I heard? Yeah, it did. It and Facebook. That's pretty cool. Yeah, apparently it's to hit uh, a single blogger. They were trying to wipe really? off the face of the earth. That's like overkill, isn't it? Yeah, but that's the story I heard. It was all meant to be picking one guy. Picking How on much one spam guy, do you get now? So do you get all that spam on Twitter? Um, or birds following you? Weird, yeah. I'm so horny, please look at my yeah. naked pics now with yeah. some random link, which probably is uh, Trojan laden. Um, yeah, if you follow those links, they, they go nowhere. They just get a porn site, don't they? Probably. I thought that, um, I thought on Twitter you had to, ex- oh, you don't have to accept people to get no, a No, you get an email part too. Well, they, say they yeah. can follow you, but you don't have to follow them. Yeah, yeah. They, but yeah, you always get an email post. telling you well, that they yeah, followed you. Oh, yeah. okay. Sexy Susie is now following you. And then that Twitter? looks like a real person to you. You believe that someone named Sexy Susie is going to be following you on Twitter? <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. To hear all your Linux tweets? <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, but I, agree. It's, I thought it was Sleazy Susie's sister. I'm following her. How But, nah. But you get heaps of those yeah, emails. You're saving up the roses. Yeah, <laughs> good on you. <laughs> <laughs> 420. I mean, uh, that's a big 10 four, or 420, good buddy. <laughs> well, that's all I have to say on that one. Kvatu, you want to go next? Sure. Um, don't know if anyone's heard, but 4.3 uh, KDE. Was that the, the <laughs> KDE 4.3 uh, theme music or something? Um, I don't KDE know. KDE 4.3 is out. It has been released as of... I don't know, a couple of days ago, 6th or the 7th, I think, or the 8th, I don't know what day it is, even. And it's awesome. It is awesome. Oh, it's just so pretty. Well, one of the biggest new features is a bubble plasmoid <laughs> that will uh, <laughs> monitor your system. It's, it's called the bubble monitor. And it rocks. <laughs> but don't stop it just fun. you got to plaster them all over your desktop. Yeah. No, it's got, it's got a couple of different improvements. I mean, a lot of people still to this day come up to me and say, well, they don't come up to me, but when I'm talking to them at, at meetings or whatever, love meetings or 2,600 meetings, they'll say, like, you know, oh, 4 is no good. It doesn't have all the features of 3.5. And, I mean, it's I, I, I'm pretty sure that by the time that they kill 3.5 off for good, 4 is going to have everything because the change log of KDE 4.3 just has a lot of the little things that 3.5 would have had, like the some of the, um, what are they called, the, the tree view, you know, for for, um, uh, for like the system setting window and stuff like that, you know, to give it that kind of 3.5 feel where a lot of the things were in those little tree views. Um, there's more IO slaves now so that you can view things like zero cons, uh in your file manager uh, just like you can, you know, uh, FTP or your applications folder or just, you know, whatever. Um, there's there's the ability to have different uh, desktop pictures on the background on each different desktop now, I, I think. Um, haven't tried that, but that's what they say. Um, 
yeah, just lots of little cool things. Yeah, I must admit, I um, I installed it on Arch. I've been playing around with it, and it is pretty impressive. I mean, it's, I still don't think I'll be going back from Fluxbox just yet. But but see, those those but, are two different beasts entirely. You know, like KDE is a desktop environment. Fluxbox doesn't even make that claim. They say they're a window manager. Yeah, uh, that's huge, the huge difference there. And what KDE has to offer me, I just I don't personally need. Exactly. Like that's the theme. Interestingly enough, I don't think I actually need it either, but I don't know. I'm I'm having fun playing around with KDE nice right now. It is nice and shiny, and and it's just it's an exciting thing to follow because it really is developing, you know, at such a um, it's just such an active pro uh, project right now. I imagine once they hit some kind of stable peak, I'll probably kind of like stop needing to look at it all the time <laughs> um, and go back to like Enlightenment or Fluxbox or something. But right now, I'm just fascinated at seeing a project go from, you know, when I started with it, it was at four. Well, when I started with it, it was three point five point nine or whatever. So you get to see four, and then you get to see just how great it becomes. You know, point three releases later, it's, it's pretty cool. And I must admit, I hadn't played with um, Compiz since Compiz and Beryl mm -hmm. amalgamated or whatever they did. Yeah. It's been a long time, and. Um, it's a K-Win effects, I take it. That K-Win, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, whatever it is. It's, it really is just brilliant now. They, oh, like, it is, yeah. Back in the day, you had that box. Now you get the sphere and the cylinder. Yeah, yeah. I could just sit there and play with that for half an hour. Yeah, they're, they're really nice. I, I love yeah. all the transparency. Yeah. Now, you guys are running NVIDIA chips, right? Yeah. No, I'm, I can do it on my laptop, but I can't run the sphere or the cylinder. I can only run the cube on the Intel chipset. What's your laptop uh, running? It's I mean, got what, what, the yeah. 4,500. Intel, right? Yeah, Intel graphics No, I'm, I'm sorry. What, what distro? Oh, that's on Arch. Okay, because interestingly enough, I have two MacBooks, and my faster MacBook has Fedora 11 64-bit. My slower MacBook has Slackware 32-bit. I can do all the K-Win effects on my 32-bit slower MacBook running Slackware, whereas I can't do really any of them very well on the Fedora install. Nothing against Fedora, but that's just how it is. I mean, sorry. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's really interesting. And I can't I can't really account for it, to be honest. I have no idea what, other than one Slackware and one Fedora. Yeah, I was trying to get a Sphere going on, on the laptop, and then when I went and read into it, it you can only run the Sphere on an a, uh, NVIDIA Addy chipset for some reason. Um, you couldn't do it on an Intel. I can't remember why, but it's missing something. Yeah, see, I just tried it again with my Fedora install, and it just it logged me out of X. <laughs> oh, jeez. It was just like, no, nope, not going to do it. And yet on my Slackware box, uh, it'll totally do it. It's got less and RAM and a slower chip uh, processor. Yeah, and just everyone probably knows this, but I didn't. Because um, typically I run Fluxbox, and my laptop just boots in the Fluxbox, and then when I want to play with a Windows Manager, I had to get out of X, and then I would load whatever Windows Manager... And then Jay Linger went and told me that when you want to play around with, like, uh, I was playing around with that Anticode Deluxe that mm -hmm. Jay Linger found, and um, I mucked around Orson there for a while. Simple thing to do, and I'm probably preaching to the choir, just go into your, one, open up a terminal, you know, control alt F2, simply type start X, then forward slash user, forward slash bin, then when I want to play with K, uh, KDE, it's simply start KDE, space, dash, dash, colon, one, 
And that just opens up a whole new edge session on TTY 8. And then I can be in and out of uh, KDE and back in the flux spots, you know, in seconds. And like I said, I'm probably everyone probably knows that, but for blokes who didn't know that, like me, you had to keep booting out of your system when you wanted to have a look at a different uh, Windows manager. Too easy. Okay, but here's my now question. Yeah. What if what if you have a .x init RC file where you've defined what start X invoked? Well, well that's how I I automatically boot into Fluxbox um, in that .x init thread. Uh, automatically runs okay. that um, exec like start exec Fluxbox. So, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, and that's that's how I get into Fluxbox. Just by typing start X, it, it boots into Fluxbox. So now that's fine, Claire too. Yeah, oh, just have to. Make sure you run start x then path to your desktop you want to run, okay? Which is user bin either start KDE or or anti code deluxe or even GNOME session whatever you you type, and uh, just remember dash dash colon one, and that starts it on a different um, x session. Too easy. Very nice. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah you it is. And it like that. You can leave yeah. off the uh, path to the window manager if. You happen to have uh, your XNRC specifying the right one. Okay. Even easier. Yeah. But I mean, there's just, I mean, you can never ever do something like that in Windows. You know, and oh, I've yeah. been playing with Linux now for, what, six years. And and admittedly, you know, I, it's only a hobby for me, but I just learn and learn and learn. And all these things are just fascinating to me to be able to do something like that. And now I find myself running KDE a whole lot more because I have it there just when I want to go over and have a look. When yeah, I get frustrated, yeah. I go over and I spin the cube and it just oh, relaxes me so much. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful, Peter. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> yeah. My wife loves it because I don't take it out on her anymore. <laughs> she says, honey, spin the cube. Okay. <laughs> I, I can see future anger management lessons there. Okay, is everyone sitting in front of their computer? <laughs> Get ready to spin the cube. <laughs> it works! You can get the bubbles happening, I'm telling you. See, we can get away with all the prisons. All we need to do is make everyone spin the cube. Um, I tell you now, back when they did the GPO in Canberra, and this was going back a lot of years, the whole interior was painted pink, would you believe? And I understand they do that to prisons too, because that is a soothing colour. And they pay a lot of people a lot of money to go around and work all this sort of stuff out. So we may well see bubbles on the ball soon. You know what else I like about KDE? Nope. I like pressing that little K button, and I can drag icons off of it. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. I know. I like that. I like that. But you can do that on GNOME too, can't you? I don't think you can. Okay. But you know what? This is cool. Okay, I, I put the trash can on the desktop, and you can enlarge it as big as you want. Because every, everything is SVG uh, graphics. Yeah, yeah. So it's like everything's true. perfect, no matter what the size is. Yeah, yeah, that is true. I know that, that sounds really stupid, cool. but it's it's I like it, how you can just resize everything and it's it, everything looks good. Yeah, I mean, that's just, that's, to me, that that's two different things. That's number one, future-proofing your icons, you know, because, I mean, I remember when icons used to be like, I don't know, 48 by 48, and if you ever wanted it bigger than that, it was going to pixelate. But now it's, you know, forever. You can just make it as large as you need it to go. And then number two, it's just, it, it just shows the flexibility, you know. I mean, anytime you can give your user complete control over something, I mean, that's what Linux and, and free software is all about, just putting the user in control. So it's pretty cool. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm glad they decided to, to do this good design from the start because mm-hmm. now when they're working on the netbook uh, part of KDE, you know, they don't have to do as much because right, it just resizes yeah. the icons. Yeah. Yeah, they did a fantastic job. Anything else caught you on the KDE? Oh, I forgot it was still my uh, story. Yeah, that's oh, it, really. That's I mean, it? Yeah, I mean, 4.3, um, I don't know, would you guys say, well, you guys have, I guess you weren't really running 4.2 all that much. I'd say it was fairly minor changes, but, you know, it's just a, it's a nice little solid update of, of KDE. Well, I'm running it on Debian Squeeze right now, mm-hmm. and there's there's an update up a couple of days ago, or actually yesterday, and they updated the KDM login uh, manager, which is beautiful anyways, but it yeah. matches your desktop, so when you log in, it, like, fades out. It looks like, yeah, yeah, that's so cool. That's really nice. As, as that's fading out, your toolbar at the bottom's coming, you know, phasing in. Yeah, yeah, that was really I'm cool. I'm sorry, SUSE has done that forever. Yeah, but it was clunky when it did it. Rubbish. It was, <laughs> it was a 50-50 chance if you were going to actually be able to use your computer or not with SUSE. <laughs> you guessed. Was it written in mono, Peter? No, I don't know. I've I got no idea about that sort of stuff, I'm afraid. I tell you what I do know, Sexy Susie does exist because they just posted a comment on HBR, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, J-Man, you want to go next? Sure. Uh, first off, uh, I got a link to a uh, a book written by a guy called uh, Scott Chacon, I guess, and uh, it's called Pro-Git, and if Git is a mystery to you, you might want to check this out. Uh, it's, it starts out with the basics and... You go through all the things that are, uh, you know, setting it up and uh, pulling uh, Git branches, and it's just a great resource, uh, especially if you intend on uh, doing a little project, you know, similar to the one posted in the Linux Cranks forum. It would help to know about uh, version control. Now, Peter was mentioning about uh, running multiple X sessions, uh, switching VTs, uh, virtual terminals. I would guess that not a lot of people know about Zephyr. And Zephyr is, there used to be a tool called XNest that would l- allow you to run X clients inside of a, a window. But Zephyr is like the next step up from that. XNest kind of fell by the wayside, and they don't have uh, modern extensions like Composite and uh, Damage, you know, Render support that that lets you uh, that lets the system know what's going on in X. I, I got a screenshot here, so we know what. Uh, what I'm talking about. Zephyr spelled Z-E-P-H-Y-R. Right. Uh, when you launch this, it's going to be a capital X. Uh, I did a, a basic example, uh, just very minimal options, but uh, there's a ton of options that you can get when you run Zephyr uh, dash dash help. And I did a minimal one here. You can you can safely ignore the, uh, the redirect. I was just trying to get rid of the output because uh, it's going to throw a bunch of errors. But oh, as, you see, Sorry. Yeah. as you can see, uh, I'm running uh, XFCE in a window on top of the awesome window manager. Wow, that's, yeah, pretty, that's cool. pretty cool. And, you know, you don't have to switch VTs. You can do testing of uh, window managers. Uh, you know, programs that crash, they can take down Zephyr, but they won't take down the other X server. It's pretty cool. So do you take a hit on performance when you do this? Oh, yeah, of course. You always take a hit when you're running multiple window managers, especially if you fire up KDE in a window. 
and put a heap of bubbles on there, trust me. <laughs> it blows your system down to nothing. <laughs> but it's worth it. There, there's all kinds yeah. of options for, uh, for you know, terminating it when the client dies or removing the uh, control restrictions so you can forward X. Uh, just lots of stuff like that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I was just saying this would all be available in the Arch repo, wouldn't it? Right, yeah, it's uh, the XORG people do this, so it's pretty much in all the distros. Oh, really? So this is a Zorg project? Right, yeah. Oh, that is pretty cool. Those people are prolific. I don't know how they do it. They do incredible work. Somebody just fired up the bubbles. <laughs> that was me. Love the bubbles. So where would you find the Zephyr website? Trying to search for the org, it. X dot org. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a free or desktop free project. Desktop. Yeah. Uh, here, I'll put the link in the IRC. All right, cool. I'll put that in the show notes. Pretty easy to set up, though. Oh yeah, yeah, very easy. You just do the install, and then uh, you know you you can look over the options, but like I said, uh, all I did in the screenshot, I, I did the screen resolution, and that was it. Export the display so it knows where to send uh, whatever you're running. You know, you export the display just like you're uh, doing SSH uh, forwarding. And then whatever program you fire up is going to open up on that display. That is incredible. I mean, this is, yet again, another really cool example of how Linux is just so flexible. I mean, think of trying to do something like that. You can't even, Mac users couldn't even imagine something like that. It's just too crazy. Well, they could because they've got an X11 environment. But I guess Windows users couldn't. So it's actually in the um, AUR repository for Arch. Found it on xorg-server-zephyr. I know what I'll be playing with later on this afternoon. Yeah, it looks like it's in the Ubuntu one repos as well. And uh, xserver-zephyr. So yes, I very may well be playing around with it later as well. Yeah. You just never get a chance to get bored with this stuff. Yeah, I know. I mean, once, you, once you've... You might settle into to one thing and then next thing you know you're 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 hearing about something totally cool and different that you can play around with. Zephyr is in Slack builds as well, so yep, I'll be trying that. Anything else, JLNZ? No, that's all for me. Two great picks. And I'm gonna throw one more in here. It's a game called Blood Frontier. Alright, Blood Frontier. It's a first person shooter. Oh. It's using the uh, it's using the Cube 2 engine, and it's a pretty sweet game. Just want to throw that one out there real quick. It's still on beta. I just went to the website, which is presumably bloodfrontier.com. There's a, a YouTube video, and it says, Blood Frontier, it's bloody fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is pretty cool. It's only played the uh, single player so far. haven't tried the multiplayer yet. Hey, you know what? That's what someone should organize for Ohio Linux Fest, like a LAN party where you could play, like, I don't know. BZ don't Flag. Know. What's that? BZ Flag. What the heck or is Urban that? Error. Yeah, Urban it's Error or, uh, or this thing, Blood Frontier or something like that. BZ Flag must be packaged with every single Linux distribution class. Ooh, I can't believe you haven't heard of that. Peter, you know I don't play games. Yeah, I know, but it's... It's the tank one. Does it have Tetris in it? <laughs> <Don't know. laughs> that is all I play. Uh, but talking about games, I fired up that bloody penumbra the other night at about 12.30 when I was waiting for Jude and 
and house was all quiet and that, and the room was dark. And I was walking around, I turned around, and one of them bloody dogs jumped up and, <laughs> and scared the bejesus out of me, fair income. And honestly, I had to turn it off and go back out in the lounge. <laughs> <laughs> uh. It's it's a good game. Anyone who didn't get it, go and get it. It really is brilliant. Yeah. Don't let your kids watch your butt because they won't sleep. Uh, they'll be in your bed sleeping with you. <laughs> you. You know what really makes these games more enjoyable? is wearing a headset when you play. It's just amazing all the sounds that you pick up. To me, I feel like I'm more into the game. More immersive, definitely, yep. But, uh, yeah, and do it late at night, all the lights off, headphones on. Ah, oh, it just makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck. It was like I was like 12 again. <laughs> I don't mind telling you, so I was scared. <laughs> cool, and which which game is that? That's that one that you got for $5 or whatever? Yeah, uh, for number Ah, cool. Yeah. Uh, cool. Yep. Okay. Uh, yeah, it really is. I haven't played a game in years, but it's just got... The uh, gameplay's really good. I like yeah, trying to... Yeah, I did look at it, but it, the demo didn't run on my machine. Yeah. My graphics card is that crap. It can't run for number. So... Yeah, I imagine it probably needs a pretty good system to run. What do you got for us, Silk? Um, I've got one that... Well, a bit of background first. A uh, brief bit. Um, no, RSS tell us your life story. No, RSS <laughs> feed readers. I'm quite picky on a lot of the RSS feed readers. I've tried literally every single feed reader that they have on Linux. And for various reasons, I don't like a lot of them. Sometimes, you know, you, you read a story and they have a link to something else and I want a feed reader that will, you don't need to load another program to look at that link. And there's a few little things. Anyway, so generally I like Google Reader. It's up there, you know, it's in my browser so I don't need to kick open a browser to look at any links. But I know 3.30 is very, you know, anti-Google. And um, I, was in, I installed tiny, tiny RSS which is at uh, tt-rss.org and it's um, well very similar looking to Google Reader basically it handles uh, keyboard shortcuts all manner of things and so is this a sorry is this a is it, this is a, a separate GUI application or this is something in the browser or well this, catching, sorry, like this I didn't explain that no it, it, you install it on a server somewhere ah uh, okay you can run it locally. Oh, I know. Okay, I, I get it. Go ahead, yeah. And then from there, and in fact there are some implementations of this which are um, anyone can uh, connect to. If you go to the actual website, they have, you know, but what if I don't have a server? And they're like, just go here and you can cool. sign up. Um, and I just posted the link into IRC. I said TT dash or hyphen or minus sign or whatever you want to call it, rss.org. And it's dead easy to install. Just unpack it, um, create a database for it somewhere, load up the schema they've got so it populates the database with empty fields as required, and, and there you go. And it looks pretty cool, basically. I mean, I've been playing around with it today, and uh, you know, there's a bunch of different settings. There's a few things that are a little odd. I had an issue where I managed to lose the sidebar on it because that saved as a cookie, and I couldn't undo it, so I had to delete the cookies and log back in, and that fixed it. But it's you know it it's a replacement for something like Google Reader, where you know it's out on 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 the cloud or however you want to put it, but you run it on your own little server. So that's pretty cool. 
I, I think it's cool. And if you're, you know, anyone's worried about Google Reader, you know, Google tracking everything you have, you can use that. So, I mean, I've, I've tried a bunch of other desktop-based RSS feed readers, and just, I didn't like, because a lot of them, yeah, they would then spawn Firefox if you clicked on any of the links in the stories. And that just bugs me. Why do I need to load something else up to look at it? So, tiny, tiny RSS seems to be a cool thing. Oh, and of course, it's all uh, GPL'd. Code's all GPL'd. Is it um, multi-user or just single-user? You can do both. There's an option in the config file for single-user and multi-user. Uh, multi-user requires you to log in. Single-user doesn't. So they say if you're going to do single-user on server, set up some other passwords or something on it. Well, that's pretty cool. Uh, How would you compare it, like, setting it up? Uh, would it be like a WordPress or easier? Um, I mean, as I said, basically uh, easier. There's less steps to go through, I think. Um, you, you download the unzip the package, you know, on your server, you, as I said, you create the database, and then from that you go into, you know, PHP admin, uh, my admin, my PHP, whichever one it is. What, I can't remember what it's called now, but that, something similar like that to edit the, the SQL, the SQL database, and you just load the schema in, and then that bit's fixed. Um, then, as I said, you, you've unzipped the files, you edit the config file to set up a few little things how you want which is very little. You rename the config file, and then you just go in and log in. You can then, if you've got multi-user setup, you have to log in with the default. I think it's uh, login of admin and password of password. Um, if it's single user, it's just there instantly already for you. But you can set up, I mean, you can sort it by dates and show different amounts on the screen and do pretty much everything that says Google does. You can even do, I think it's N for the next RS story, P for the previous one. Um, and then F, and then another letter for different feed commands. So I think it's F A to add a feed in, and a bunch of little stuff. So it's um, it's looking cool, basically. Yeah, that is pretty cool. What is this? It says supports feed enclosures, and it says podcasts. Uh, which bit? Where? It says in features what? overview on the website. Yeah, it should say a podcast is just an RSS feed. Unless it means that she plays it or something. I'm not sure. I know the, was it Liferia that comes in Gnome? You can play podcasts right from there. That's pretty cool. I like it. I like the looks of it. I mean, still, you know, they're still working on some things. They haven't got all of the showing the HTML correctly for some, some bits. And they actually say, you know, there's a few odd things that don't appear up like they should do. But Have you tried it with different browsers? See if it made a difference? Not yet. What uh, you, no, I've just been using Firefox at the moment. Oh, okay. I mean, if you guys want, I, as I said, I've got to set up on my server. I can uh, give you some details on that and let you guys log in and see what you think. Yeah, we can do that after the show. Hey, there's, there's also a demo on the site. Yeah, when I tried that, it wasn't working. Uh, I just used it, and it, it worked out fine. Oh, but yeah, they, they do have a demo on the, the website, but they say they've locked a lot of stuff down on it. I mean, they say they, well, they support Mozilla Suite, Firefox, Camino, and other Gecko derivatives, uh, testing on Firefox 1.5 and 2, Safari, um, and probably other WebKit derivatives, Conqueror, and other KHTML derivatives, and Internet Explorer 7 or Vista mostly works. Um, Opera has some issues. So. Well, that's a good find. Any Anything else in this one? No, no, unless anyone else has anything to say. 
No one. Nobody. And we're going to move on to Azmuth. Well, I... Yeah, everybody uh, is moving along on the cutting edge here, and I keep moving further and further away from the cutting edge. R run across something I've, I've seen before and, and used before, but uh, it kind of kind of come back uh, and impressed upon me uh, just how slick it was, and uh, uh, that's Rock Spiler. Uh, oh man! In I fact, love rock. Uh, the whole yeah, I've uh, I've used it before in. Uh, Oh, what was it? Uh, damn small Linux had it. Uh, there's uh, a link to the site I just put in the the forum. But uh, no, uh, it, it's amazing how fast it is. I've got I've got a lot of old equipment around here. I've uh, I, I've kind of found a sweet spot uh, in, in the kernel that that all my old equipment seems to be working at. Uh, it. Uh, it kind of caught up to caught up to all of it and hasn't surpassed it yet, and that's uh, 2.6.26. And uh, so I'm kind of ro rolled back into things like Lenny and uh, and into Fluxbox and uh, and the Rocks Filer, and uh, I was going to try uh, the the whole Rocks desktop today, uh, uh, <clears throat> but. Uh, uh, a crash linear uh, install and uh and then a, a a cd drive that died in the middle of uh reinstalling uh i didn't get there <laughs> now what but, what's uh, this no what's it's the, uh what's the rock desktop then well it, it's uh well that that's that's what i'd seen before and didn't really know what it was until i got to playing with uh the rocks on uh on anti x uh anti x has uh has all the rock stuff available on it, uh, whether you turn it on or not, that, that's something else. But uh, the Rock's desktop, well, it treats uh, it treats all your programs as files, okay. and uh, they're just all, all available in the Rock's filer. But uh, the the way Annie X is using it when when I'm running Fluxbox on it, uh, it's still it's still using the the Rock's filer uh, for a, a, a file manager. And uh, but what what got me looking at it was that uh, that thing works fast. I yeah. mean, and and this is this is on old antique equipment, and that is fast. It, it pops up faster than uh, than any of the uh, newer computers I've got with uh, with heavier weight distributions on them. Yeah, you know what I use it for a lot is uh, when I'm SSHing into my friends' OS 10 boxes. You know, to give them like support or whatever. I'll I'll, I'll always install. Rocks filer on there because that way I can get I can do SSH with with X forwarding and I'll get I'll get Rocks filers up on my screen so fast it's almost like I'm not even SSHing it's just really fast it's nice yeah it, it, it it's it's amazing how fast it is it, they they don't have any BS in it. it it's just all all muscle but I didn't I didn't get to explore it uh, as far as I wanted to go uh, today but. Uh, there's always tomorrow. So yeah, how long has really it been around? Neat. And that's all I've got. It does. It's been around forever. <laughs> how much it, it's all my been around? Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I think we've told you that before, Peter. <laughs> yeah, probably have. 
I didn't know that they had a whole desktop environment. I mean, I've used Rockfiler ever since I discovered what Unix was. It was like one of the first things that I could get to compile um, from source, but I didn't realize they had a whole environment going for them. I like it. It looks neat. I tried it. Did you see that well, screenshot that's on now, the right? Uh, Which one, sorry? It, it looks like a triple E. I know, yeah, right? That's gonna, that's pretty cool. The, the name Rocks comes from Risk OS on X. Oh, okay. And that's where it was inspired by the Risk OS. Oh, maybe that's why I could... Uh, wait, what is Risk OS? Um, I'll tell you. Risco is a computer operating system which was originally developed by Acorn Computer Limited in Cambridge in England. There you go, Zach. And it was originally uh, for the ARM-based processors. It was released in 1988. Cool. I'm loving this. I really like this. This is really cool. Yeah, so do I. I'm actually going to I'm gonna try this tonight for sure. I'm going to try to run it under Zephyr. Can I do that, Jay Lindsay? That's why I can do that, can't I? Yep. Too cool. How good is this? Heck, you like probably won't a... notice much performance hit either. Yeah, not on rocks. I'm telling you, that thing is uh, it's just fast. It's the fastest thing I've... Uh... It rocks. Yeah, it really does. It rocks. <laughs> and it's got bubbles on the desktop as icons. Uh, you just can't oh, improve. Oh, crap. <laughs> I'm not going to try anymore. No. I don't want to have anything to do with it anymore. <laughs> yeah, but the bubbles are part of your beloved KDE. Oh, yeah. But you thinking? should be loving the bubbles. I love the bubbles. No, I forgot. I love the bubbles. We better end the show. we got too much to do. Yeah, really, I know. Wait, <laughs> 3.30 hasn't gone yet. Yeah, we're, we're saving him for the, for last. He's oh, okay. He's putting on his costume right now, getting ready. <laughs> <laughs> you ready, 3.30? Yeah, I guess so. Um, this is going to be the less technical aspect of the show. Um, instead of doing technical things, I sat down and read, which is odd for me. I usually don't have the attention span for it, but um, I've read Cory Doctorow's Little Brother now and wanted to do a little talking about it and some of the interesting stuff he did around the book. Um, the idea of the, of the book is um, some kids that live in San Francisco are picked up by the Department of Homeland Security after a terrorist attack where the Golden Gate Bridge is blown up. And um, they're treated, you know, the way that uh, Guantanamo detainees were in the real war on terror. And, um... War on terror. It, and they, they make, you know, they, they make jokes about that term itself, too. But, um, it's really cool, because it's, it chronicles the, you know, just some, you're, yeah, you know, normal hacker kids, you know. They're not really doing anything wrong, but eh, they're messing with the stuff that exists. Um, there's, you know, like one of the things is their school employs a uh, a thing that keeps track of people's gait, you know, how they walk. So a bunch of the kids start putting rocks in their shoes so that they walk different. So then when they're ditching school, you can't tell who walked out the door because it didn't match anything. But, um, one of the interesting things is all of the technology in here is either already being used or is totally plausible. And people, before I looked it up, I would have said are working on it, but have worked on it. Um, there's a Linux distribution in it called uh, Paranoid Linux, which the kids all load onto their their school laptops. 
because the school has spyware and all kinds of stuff on the computer, so you can't actually use it for anything useful. But that seems to have closed up shop because there was actually somebody working on one. And um, if you go to instructables.com, there's a member that is actually a character from the book. His name's Winston. It's W1N5P0N. How original. Yeah. Well, it's it's supposed to be like a 12, like a, I think it was 15 year old hacker kid. Yeah. But um, like they, he tells you, you know, quote unquote, he tells you how to like use Tor and lie to authority figures and how to find pinhole cameras and how to uh, block cool. or kill RFID chips. Cool. I'll stick that in the IRC real quick. But um, yeah, it's actually a really really good book, and um, anyone that liked um 1984 would like this because this. This is literally what somebody would do if 1984 actually happened. And I think that uh, anyone that comes across a kid you know, in their life that's between the ages of 10 and 25 should give them a copy of this book. And you can get it free online. It's Creative Commons license. Why is Winston using Gmail if he's so paranoid? There's an article on this instructable how to encrypt your Gmail email. I think it's one of those things where (laughs) people had been using it and, you know, everybody already knows your, you know, all your friends already know your Gmail address, so you might as well secure what you have. Yeah. Ah, you want to hide something, put it in plain sight. Yeah. One of the cool things they do in the book is take, the the idea is that uh, the next Microsoft uh, Xbox will be given away for free because they make all their money off of licensing the... SDK, so all these kids have these, you know, just these free little, you know, microcomputers sitting around, and they all hook them up to their own little, like, hacked-together internet that's all, like, super encrypted and awesome and stuff. It's really cool. I, I think I think if anyone's remotely interested, should give it a read. And if you don't want to actually read it, um, the uh, publishing company actually allowed him to do the audiobook under a Creative Commons license, so you can download that for 20 bucks. That's pretty cool. You can find the uh, all the stuff about the book at craphound.com slash littlebrother. Does this guy ever go to, like, Linux festivals and talk, or, or have you, I mean, or is he just a writer? Oh, no, he, he, uh, Corey used to work for the EFS. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he's He's done a lot of <laughs> a lot of kind of crap they talk about in this book. He, he and he uh he ran Open Cola, you know, the company that, that gave out a the, yeah yeah they gave it out to try and get people to understand what open source was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he ran that company during the uh, dot com boom and bust. Uh, okay, interesting. Yeah, I've heard him on uh, some of Leo's shows. He guests on there sometimes. Oh, okay. I'm not interested in him, in him anymore. Well, he, the reason he ends up on Leo shows is because he is also a blogger for Boing Boing. No excuse. No excuse, that's right. So are we cutting Jono off also? Yeah, well, I cut him off a long ago. Yeah, he's, he's not welcomed here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot we were on tit radio. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's welcome. He's welcome here. Linux Cranks, I don't know. Yeah. This this really is a good book, and this is probably the last book in a decade that I actually finished. Because I usually read just enough to be able to pass whatever thing has to do with class. So. How many pages? Um, I'm not sure, because I read the text file. I think I opened it up in Abbey Word, and it said it was 250 or so. That's a big book. Yeah, and it's written for it's it's written for young adults, so it's not yeah. So it's in like really really big fonts with really simple words. No, no, it it's it's written for you know for like a like a 12 to 15 year old kid. Oh really? Yeah. So there's a. There's a uh, like a romantic subplot in it, and and stuff like that. But how, how what what grade are these kids supposed to be in? Um, what does they're in really high. Say? The the kids I think are in high school, so they may be freshmen. Okay. 155 printed pages. That's what I predict. So that would be a quick read then. It didn't take you. It sounds like you finished it pretty much in a day. Is that correct? Oh, well, I took a while, but I was reading it on the N800, so I had right. interface issues to deal with. <laughs> and battery issues. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you've got a lot on your plate at the moment, 2330. Trying to get back into school, yeah. <laughs> and having to no, deal no, with these wankers. <laughs> what? <laughs> What's Peter 15 <laughs> chuckling about? Peter 15. Peter 64. People are saying I'm 15 years old in the chat room. <laughs> Peter's giving me shit because you know, I'm actually have said a busy 15 person. times today in the chat that he had so much on his plate he's too busy. Oh, yeah, about the task manager thing and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just want to know what an unemployed bloke does that he's so busy. Cool. That really Peter, is a lot of work. I'm same, dealing with the same thing, to be honest. That the, is the, the same thing require. you do while you're sitting on your mower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing. But I am busy doing it. So uh, one of the other things that Corey had done around this book was um, for people that bought, or for people that downloaded it and then later decided, wow, they would have really loved to pay for it. You could actually go and pay for a book, and they had librarians from high schools and middle schools and stuff that were requesting copies. So you would buy a copy, and then they would link your copy up with somebody that had requested one for a school. They would ship it to that school. So this book is actually showing up in classrooms and in school libraries. That's cool. Very good. It just amazes me still that we're in, like, 2009 or whatever we're in, and it's like people, the educational institutions still aren't seeming to... I understand the importance of computer literacy, you know, and and technology and stuff like that. Just like I keep expecting kids that I come across, you know, like eight-year-olds and stuff, to like know everything about computers already. And to my amazement, most of them that I've come across, I mean, which isn't many, but I mean, you know, friends with kids and stuff. I mean, they, they do nothing. It's like I don't know what they're being taught about computers. It's just really shocking to me. And I'll say this one will teach them a little bit about computers, a lot about questioning authority, and perfect. That's what a little need bit about do. creating chaos. <laughs> perfect. That's what kids need to hear at school. And there are even some of these projects that they put up on Instructables that I plan on doing. Like 
building an RFID blocker and, you know. There, so this is really cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. Anything else? Um, no, not unless somebody has some questions. Anybody got think Everyone's itching to play with Roxy. I know, really. Rocks. I'm looking at rocks myself. Yeah. It, sorry, this wasn't technical. The only technical thing I did this week was rebuild a dead laptop. Yeah, we know you've been busy. We know. <laughs> <laughs> I was busy saving myself over $500 by rebuilding my damn laptop. That was the one that packed it in bloody near 12 months ago, wasn't it? Yeah. The, the yeah, screen died. I remember that. My mom left her laptop sitting on a on a blanket and melted half of the processor, like half of the the actual the little uh, sorry, I can't remember the word now the actual part that gets hot, not the silicon around it. But yeah, it like was melting off. So I stole the I actually replaced the keyboard because mine was dirty. So Peter, you'll be happy to know that. And swapped out the whole lid and bunch of the internals that had done bad. Yeah, always good fun. Yeah. And there's a, here's a tip for people if you're going to take apart a laptop, check on the internet and see if the company has put up a like a how-to guide because once you get about 75 screws in and you go, well, oh, why man. the hell doesn't this come open? <laughs> they tell you how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> like Ikea style. It's, it's wild. Yeah, no, there, there used to be a site. There's a couple of sites probably but there's one that I used to go to all the time that had yeah like taking apart procedures of, of all kinds of computers it was nice you can often find the technical manual not just the user manual but you often mm-hmm. do a search and you'll find the, the technical manual that the technicians do use when they pull stuff apart yeah that's what it I can found. come in pretty handy and my Peter 64 fan club sticker is still on there so that's all that matters to me <laughs> <laughs> oh those were awful <laughs> the worst things I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I wore my Peter 64 fan club t-shirt to the, uh, I had it on and happened to go to the hospital because my grandma was there and I got dirty looks. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody have anything else? Um, I've got a quick one, Monster B. I always said that I had to boot in or now I don't have to boot into Windows anymore to do my video editing because I use KDN Live and I'm very happy with the way it performs but I was actually lying because I had forgotten there was one thing I still have to use Windows for and the other day I went to program my Harmony Remote which you don't do very often but I remembered I can't do this I tried uh, to run the Harmony software in wine ages ago and it wouldn't work and I tried to reinstall it again and it still didn't work and luckily my wife's laptop still has a Vista on it so I booted in there and as I was programming it I was talking to Scan in the IRC channel and he pointed me to a little program called Concordance which is um, a bloke by the name of Phil has written a little program where you can program your uh, Harmony Remote under Linux. So, uh, now to be totally honest with you too, I wasn't able to um, get this to compile yet. Uh, I only have a quick play around with it the other night. I haven't sat down and gone right into it and find out what, what the error message um, I'm getting means. But if anyone does have a Harmony Remote and, like me, has to boot into Windows to program it, 
have a look at this concordance. Uh, Monster B will put it in the show notes. And now, if I get this working, I will never have to boot to Windows ever again. That's what I'm you said sure when you were talking work. about editing video. Yeah, I forgot all about it, Clatu, because it's once you program a remote, you, it's very rare you have to touch it unless you get a new um, appliance or what have you. Oh, I see. Yeah. So I just happened to change something in my entertainment system, and I thought, oh, shit, now I've got to add this. Uh, and then I thought, oh, God, I've got to go into bloody Windows to do it. Wow. So anyway, there you go. Thanks again for that. And it's good to know. And so these are these are one of those universal remotes that it's, you know, it just, it, it's got unlimited amounts of things it'll talk to, that sort of thing? Yeah, like this one does, I think, 15 different devices. It's it's the one I use to do the uh, X10 that I talked about in last uh, fortnight's episode or whenever it was. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they are, and, and they just, they replace everything. Instead of having, like, five remotes sitting on the table, you just have the one. Yeah, that is nice. Yeah, they got, um, I mean, you can get the really expensive ones that have got touchscreen and everything, uh-huh. but they run you into six or $700 over here. Yeah, I'm not that rich, I'm afraid. Yeah, it's like 10 bucks over here, so I could probably pick one. Yeah, well, up. you could probably buy two. <laughs> but um, at Harmony is now owned by Logitech. Oh really? So everyone would. Yeah, everyone would. Logitech, Logitech doesn't seem that bad for like drivers and things like that. I mean, I don't know if they put forth a huge effort to give stuff over to Linux, but I don't know if you get a Logitech product. Well, no, that's not true because the webcams. I don't know about the webcams. But I don't know. Some of the Logitech stuff seems to be pretty compatible with anything I plug it into. Generally. Yeah, well, the Logitech um, bought Harmony oh, quite a few years ago now. Okay. Uh, I'm not even sure if the software works on the Mac, actually. I never bothered to look. But anyway, the fact is, it doesn't work under Linux, but this concordance does. Uh, and if you go to the page, you can go and check whether... Most of the Harmony remotes are um, supported, but a few aren't. But there's a thing, a list there you can just check to make sure. All the 550s and all that sort of stuff are. But there's a list anyway you can go and check. That's very interesting. Yeah. That no, was a good find. Yeah, I hope you get it working. Yeah, well, I, I haven't had a great play with it. Obviously, plenty of people have when I was reading the site, so can't be too much. I just what kind of error are you getting? Oh, I can't remember, Clatu, because I was oh, building okay. it on the laptop. Oh, okay. It, yeah. Just when I went to make it, it came up. I can't remember. I'll have to look. And I actually meant to post it and... Jay Lindsay was offline at the time, so I didn't bother. <laughs> Sweet. Well, you guys want to talk about the uh, the uh, My Personal Coding Challenge in the yeah. forum? Yeah. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, I posted this last night. It's, uh, like I said, it's called My Personal Coding Challenge 2009. This is a challenge to test yourself to develop an application, plug-in, or a script and really, you just just sign up on the forums. It's Linux Cranks slash forum, and you just commit to a you know to a project like something you're going to do. It could be anything. And the deadline is that you know all the applications or whatever you're going to make has to be done by November 21st. That way, we have a week to like look at them, and then we'll talk about them on November 28th on uh, Tit Radio. So, how many months is that? That's like. One, uh, two, September, October, November. That's about four months, right? Yeah, it's like 15 weeks. 
not bad. And what kind of programs are you talking about? Like anything or, or anything? Any size and scope. It's really just a personal challenge for yourself. To get like, yourself coding, basically. Yeah, or or even if you're a coder, you just wanna just want some competition. You know, to, to me, I I need a goal to do mm-hmm. something, and I think this yeah. would be a way to teach myself how to code. Yeah, it's a little bit like write a novel month or something. You know, it's just like this arbitrary period of time that says do this and and see if you can do it. What would you say wants to be if you if you met someone who you know always saying how much into technology they are and that and then just said they didn't have the time to participate in something like this? What would you say to them if that happened? <laughs> <laughs> what would I say to them? I would say. <laughs> okay, I put the rules. <laughs> I'm just going to change that subject, Peter. <laughs> okay, the rules are... Okay, it has to run on Linux, BSD or Open Solaris. doesn't have to be all three, just one or the other. Uh, the code has to be open. No Hello Worlds, because that's pretty lame. No Mono, and no Forks. How can you tell people not to code in mono. I mean, if you might not agree with it, but it's my okay. It's my challenge that I say <laughs> no mono. <laughs> that's ridiculous, though, because if it's their personal challenge, then they might want to do it in mono. Not on my forum. <laughs> <laughs> All right. House rules. <laughs> I added some FAQs on there, too. Yeah, is this bloke who reckons he can code better than whoever? No one can code better than whoever. <laughs> oh, not that whoever. <laughs> yeah, so is, is this challenge really fair? I can code circles around whoever. <laughs> but wait, it's not even a challenge among... I mean, it's a challenge to oneself, correct? I mean, right. He, he has right. to code circles around himself. Yeah, you're not competing against others. It's just a personal challenge. Yeah. And so what are we going to do? Like, at the end of it, we're going to, like, re- look at all the things that people did and, like, make fun of them? Or or, or what? Like, I mean... Well, if you want to. Some people we, we're going to make fun of, but... <laughs> no, we're, we're going to take a look and see what people, what they did, and, I don't know, maybe we can learn something from it. Yeah. And either, I mean, probably no matter what, we're all bound to benefit a little bit from what what comes out of this, because you never know. I mean... I mean, there have been random scripts posted on the Cranks forum already, you know, that that are really handy, like you know, AUG converters or scripts and and porn get scripts and stuff like that. I'm sure people use those every day. And I like what you said here about what are the prizes. <laughs> and the answer to that one yeah. is knowledge, and that's right. Knowledge. Best prize there is. Wow. Yeah, I that can't believe that. Cry when I read that. Somebody wanted a prize. <laughs> That's so sad that someone needs a prize for for this. Knowledge should be totally enough. I wonder if somebody's going to do a comic book reader. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That'd be really cool. Open source comic book reader. So who here is going to try this? Yeah, I'm going to try this. Well, if you, Blake, are in, I'm going to be in, but I've never, ever looked at coding. Well, actually, I coded one, I did something once back in basic, a lot of years ago, but that wouldn't count. 
I'm going to give it a go. Even if I don't, you can all have a good laugh. No, I might. I'm not sure. I'm thinking about it yet. Thinking, Come trying on, to think oh. of a good project. Oh yeah. I just well, reinvent the wheel. The difficult. The, di- Jay the difficult said finding that. something good to do. You know. Yeah. I think you said that, Jay Lindsay, didn't you, in the forum yesterday? One of the hardest bits about this whole thing is is getting the idea. You need that idea to get started. Yeah. Yeah. To me, I was thinking about it because I read the forum post last night. I was thinking about it today. And it's true. I mean, everything you can think of that you need to get done, you've got, like, what, four or five different options in open source? You know I mean? At least on the level that I'm going to be able to program right now, you know? But that's why I'm thinking of just doing, like, a shell script or something of, of, of like, a process of, of things that I'm going to need to be No, well, what we need is a program time. with, like, bubbles, and then you, like, these, they bounce around, <laughs> and you can yeah. throw things at them, and... Oh, wait. Actually, Zach... You could be onto something. And in those bubbles, we could have a to-do list because we need a bloody <laughs> null to-do list on Linux. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like little post-it notes to bubble themselves and then bounce like that red ball. This is brilliant. I, I checked out uh, Gambus today. I don't know if you guys ever looked into that. No, what is, what is that? It's uh, I don't even have the website pulled up. Well, what's it called again? Say it's again. called Gambus. Maybe I'm saying it wrong. Yeah, G A M B I S. Yeah, kind of like a basic. It's a closed Hi guys, super cow power. power. <laughs> 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 Here, I'll post the link in the IRC. Okay. It's a development environment based on on basic on a basic type language, but it's. <laughs> You like pick your GUI, like whatever you, you can like. You want it to be like a QT or GTK. I mean, it's really nice. I mean, it, it looks really nice. I mean, you just drag and drop buttons over, double click on them, and then you can put your code in. But I cannot find any good documentation on it. Yeah. I, I did find a wiki, and just to make a hello world, I followed the instructions to a T. Mm-hmm. Uh. Started it up, and my and the screen was blank. <laughs> so you're not a very good programmer. <laughs> well, I followed Sounds it. like when I tried to teach myself uh, Lisp. Yeah, really. <laughs> Follow the directions to a T, and it wouldn't compile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is all sounding depressingly familiar. After three weeks of that, I said, maybe I don't need to learn Lisp. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I need to go back to school. That's what I said, so... That's what I'm working on. Weren't you messing around with Ruby, Klaatu, or... I, I have a book on it, and I didn't really intend to get the book on Ruby. It just happened to be about Ruby. Uh, and it, it's kind of neat, actually. I hear different things about it, different goods and bads. I don't really know anything. I just know that it's kind of cool, actually. I've been playing around with it. I haven't been doing anything like Ruby on Rails or anything, because I don't do that whole web development thing, but... Just it's it's a lot like Python, or it feels a lot like Python to me. Has we anyone compiled? Has anyone compiled a two point six point three zero kernel lately, and actually had it uh, boot? Yeah, I'm using it now. Okay. And it's fast. Okay, cool. I get like twelve second boot times. Nice. Okay, I got the source, and then I was talking to someone last night, and they were saying they were having trouble with it for some reason, but. I am going to... Trouble with it. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think they were blaming the colonel itself. I don't, it sounded, I mean, he, he said that he was running it fine with 2.6.29, and then he used the same config file for 2.6.30, and just wouldn't boot past a certain point or uh, something weird like that. I want that. names, Klaatu. Names? Yeah, because he's going to get kicked. <laughs> no, Maybe the band. No, it was in real life at the 2600 oh. meeting. It wasn't a person on IRC. Amazing, huh? You went out into the world? Yeah. Are you okay? <laughs> you don't have anything, do you? No. You can get the swine flu or the HIV or anything? Yeah, I don't know. I'm getting checked soon for all that okay. stuff. Just in case. Do you wear a dust mask when you go outside? Yeah, of course. Okay. <laughs> to keep my nose from falling off. Oh, <laughs> well, you guys got anything else before I wrap this up? Nope. All right. So I was looking at Gambus. <laughs> I am yeah, too. Yeah, I was looking at all the nice screenshots. Well, it, it's very nice, but there's very little documentation on it, and I think I need a lot of documentation. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I had a few ideas. I was like, maybe Python, then I'm like, well, maybe just PHP, do something that works inside of a web browser. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, Python, I mean, I've had great experience with Python. I just, I don't know. It's the logic flow that I, I, I think I don't quite have yet, so i got to work on that. But, I mean, Python, I mean, there seems to be uh, interfaces for that all over the place. You know, you got Python in Java, you got PyQt, you got PyGTK. I mean, just if anything you can imagine, you can use Python. Even Xcode understands Python, and I mean that doesn't understand anything. So. And that PyQt is that like a, a development environment too, or? Uh, you can use it in KDevelop or Qt Creator. I'm pretty sure. I haven't looked at Qt Creator in a little while, but I'm pretty sure you can can use PyQt in that. But certainly KDevelop. Yeah. Well, it's really neat using those designers because you can, like, design a cool interface, but then when it comes to, like, making things work, because <laughs> I could make one hell of a design. I think someone said that they actually knowingly did it that way. I mean, it, it was it, that's, I guess all the programmers say don't do that. You know, they say program the, the program first and then get the GUI around it. But I was talking to someone, I want to say it was Paul Fields, and, and I don't want to put words into his mouth in case I'm wrong, but I think it was him talking about Pulsecaster, where he said he actually just did the visual interface first and then just assigned the functions to all the little buttons and drop-down menus and stuff like that, and it worked out really well for him, so, or whoever I was talking to. I, I can see it. It could be possible. Mm -hmm. But it just, I don't know, when I do something like that, it makes you, it feels like you're actually doing something, you know? Oh, sure, sure. Like when you design it first? Yeah. Yeah, I know, yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe doing it that way first will give you, or me, a little bit better uh, of an idea of how it all has to fit together. Seeing it that way, you kind of get the logic of the application. Or at least it would seem that way to me. Well, there you go. You could just design an interface Yeah. for your 15 weeks. There you go. And that could be your, you could say, well, that's no, all that's I wanted cheating. to do. <laughs> that's cheating. That doesn't do anything. Well, you could fail and still have some code to show. That's true. All right, I'm going to wrap it up. And next week will be another Tit Radio. 
I'll see you guys next week. Got on. See you, everyone. Catch you guys later. Good night, John Boy. Thank you for listening to Hack the Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.